0: You know, it can definitely put you in a bad spot. Uh, dehydration is, its a bad thing to have in the, in the middle of the jungle. Um, so that's the only close call that we had. Uh, you know, we had to airlift somebody for dehydration. Uh, that's just because of over drinking. Um, but other than that, uh, no, we never had any, any issues with anybody. Uh, uh, we had a guy who actually uh, thought that he can uh, take the hook out of a piranha mouth and uh, lost the tip of his finger.
1: That was Javier describing a few things you should be on the lookout for your next Ecuador trip. A very doable trip to the jungle today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Uh, please uh, head over to Instagram if you've ever been on Instagram or want to check it out, Wetfly Swing, and uh, share a lightning bolt uh, mic, lightning bolt emoji. Give that a shot if you're out there, and I'll know you're, you listen to this episode. That would be that'd be awesome. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsor. Coffler Boats specialize in custom-ordered aluminum boats and uses the best materials, components, and accessories available to meet all of your fishing and boating needs. The Jet Drifter, a perfect powerboat for shallow water rivers or lakes, will perform with as little as a 35-horsepower prop engine. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash to check out the lineup right now. That's Koffler, K-O-F-F-L-E-R, wetflyswing.com slash Koffler. Check out the lineup and connect with Joe. Uh, Javier from Ecuador Fly Fishing Tours walks us through the full process and trip today. We find out... Uh, a little bit about Arapaima, uh, this crazy air-breathing uh, fish. How they created one of the only luxury lodges in the Amazon in this area, and how you can see and fish the Galapagos uh, this year. The Galapagos is definitely a um, is a protected area, but. Uh, Javier walks us through some steps of uh, digging into that. So um, so it's pretty amazing today. Uh, we definitely leave a little on the table, including the full trip to the Galapagos. So stay tuned for that one. But uh, but here you go. Javier has the inside track. So without further ado, EcuadorFlyFishingTours.com.
0: How's it going, Javier? Hey, Dave. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Good,
1: good. Can you pronounce your last day to make sure so we all know we get that right? goodbye. <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Guevara. That's right. That's right. It's not that hard, I guess. I'm always I struggle a little bit sometimes uh, with some of the last names, but uh, we're gonna dig into uh, some fly fishing in in Ecuador and South America. You've got this. uh, You've got a bunch of great uh, destination trips lined out, and um, you know I want to focus a little bit on Ecuador, maybe even uh, Arapaima. I know that's a, a huge species that I'm not sure a lot of people have gone for, so. Uh, but before we get there, talk about how you first uh, got into fly fishing.
0: Well, I actually got into fishing uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I used to go with my grandpa to uh, the coast of Ecuador, spend almost three or four months after school end, um, and that's how I learned into, That's how I learned to get into fishing. Um, he was basically my first inspiration in that in the aspect. And then when I got to the states, uh, when I was twenty years old. Um, I just saw somebody in the park casting a fly rat, and uh, that just became uh, uh, a catching piece. And uh, I started investigating how this whole fly fishing world uh, worked. And after that, I just fell in love. Um, And uh, I've been doing it since uh, since then. Um, I'm currently 39 years old, so... um, it's been a long, long journey, uh, doing fly fishing all over South America, actually.
1: Where were you born or where did you grow up? I born in Quito, Ecuador. And in Quito, you have, um, I think you do some trout trips in that area.
0: Correct. Uh, uh, Ecuador has uh high elevation trout. Usually we fish, uh, locations around uh, 10,000, 12,000 feet. Um, Beautiful scenery, many people from the States have been there, uh, compared a lot to, uh, Montana, uh, beautiful landscapes, mountains, uh uh, snow Cape mountains around, uh, clear water springs. Uh, we do not have any huge rainbows like Patagonia, but, uh, they're definitely, uh, we've seen trout around up to maybe eight, nine pounds.
1: Oh, wow. That's a nice trout, <laughs> which is which
0: is a nice trout.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take an eight and nine pounder any day. That's uh, definitely steelhead size. So correct. Okay, well, you're in. So, I mean, when people come to you, you know, the the Ecuador, uh, you you know, you have that the website that probably comes up a lot. But when they come to when they talk Ecuador, what do they do? They know? Do most people have an idea what they want to fish for? Because I know there's a few species. Maybe you could start there. Just talk about what what species there are there, and then what are people mostly coming for.
0: So most of the time that people talk about Ecuador, uh, believe that we have like zero fishing, um, and it's a surprise for them to hear that. We have rainbow trout in the mountains. We have, um, arapaima in the Amazon. And, uh, one of the main species that we, we have a lot of people coming to is, uh, striped marlin in the Galapagos islands. Um, a lot of people thought the the Galapagos are, well, the Galapagos are a protected area. Um, and a lot of people think that uh, you cannot fish in Galapagos. Um, but actually, you can. You just need a special license for it. And there's very many, many few uh, boats uh, uh, authorized to do that.
1: So if we were, you know, if somebody was coming down there, setting up, you know, say they wanted to set up a trip for um well, let's just keep it into going into Ecuador. We talk about Galapagos as well, but when would be the best time to go there if they, let's say, let, let's just, let's focus on arapaima for a little bit. Um, uh, when would be the best time to go there? Does it does it matter?
0: It does. Uh, arapaima needs, uh, for you to be able to fish arapaima, you need uh, lower lower uh, uh, water levels. Um, we fish them in lagoons. Uh, the best time to go chase arapaima in Ecuador will be, we have two dry seasons. We have a month of August where everything gets super hot and the water levels uh, drop. And then we have the end of December uh, to the end of February. That's basically the summertime in, in the Amazon. In uh, that time the, the water levels drop a few meters um, and there are pine concentrated in the lagoons.
1: In the lagoons. Okay. And, and to get, so if, if uh, we were looking at say mid January heading down there, um, and these lagoons. So what does that take us there? Because the Amazon, most people, well, I mean not most people, I think of Amazon, like crazy, you know, uh, jaguars, uh, kind of attacking you and stuff like that. What, what's the, <laughs> to, to bring us that, how do how are people staying safe down there and what's that look like uh, doing a trip for them?
0: So normally we arrive in, in Quito. we spend a night there. Um, we take an hour flight to the jungle, which is a city outside of, a city outside of the jungle that's called El Coca. How do you spell that? C-O-C-O. C-O-C-A, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, yeah, C-O-C-A, yep.
0: And uh, that's a three and a half hour uh, boat ride uh, to the proximities of the lagoon. Uh, from there, we change to a smaller canoe because uh, we're going through a wavy, uh, small stream. Uh, through the jungle where there's like all kind of wildlife, uh, you know, birds. And I mean, you see all kind of stuff. It's, it's amazing. Um, uh, it's about an hour of, of that travel. And then we get to our lodge. Um, our lodge is called, uh, Paiche Amazon Lodge. Paiche is the, the native name for Arapaima. Uh, they also call it Piraruku, but, uh, our lodge is called the uh, Paiche Lodge. Um, from there, uh, the lodge has, it's probably a four-star lodge, uh, beautiful accommodations, uh, super comfortable, air conditioning, uh, great food. Uh, we fish out of, uh, smaller, uh, well, not smaller, they're, uh, 25 feet, uh, big canoes, uh, wide enough for, I mean, you can be jumping on it. It's super stable. Um, uh, they're about, uh, I don't know, probably about Four and a half feet uh, wide, so they're just big, can- big uh, fiberglass canoes. Uh, normally, we have two guides, one in the front, one in the back. Um, and uh, chasing our paima, it's a whole different game. It's not a numbers fish; it's more of an opportunity fish. Um, so uh, I compare paima with hunting. That's exactly how it what it is. There is no, like, just cast blind, at least where we fish, we don't cast. We try not to cast blind, uh, blind cast. Um, uh, we hunt for the prey, basically. So what we do is uh, we sit in the lagoon. Uh, we see our pima gulping for air. Uh, they're air breeders, so they usually come out to take air for about 15 to, to 20 minutes. Uh, every 15 to 20 minutes, they come out to get air and uh we kind of like uh can pinpoint where they are so that's when the when the game starts you know we start getting closer and closer closer Uh, uh very very slow quiet not too much vibration in the boat no sounds uh it's basically like hunting um when you get closer to uh to the area where our pima is um we get ready uh, because in the next gulp of air, uh, we try to take a cast. Now we cast in twelve-way uh, rods um, with a hundred percent core uh, fly lines, and uh, you know thirteen, fourteen-inch fly. <laughs> so it's very hard to cast all day with that. Um, so we take the opportunities to of that we can. Um, so that's kind of like a way of, of fishing for a paima you know, a regular day, you can probably have at least 15 to 20 shots to fish, which is a lot. Uh, there's not too many places in the world that you can have that many opportunities. Um, a lot of that takes, you know, the angler, when you see the fish, this, the size of the canoe, you know, their, their knees start shaking, their arms start shaking, they can't control the fly line. Uh, it's just, it's, it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> That's what it is.
1: How big? Because this is one of those things, right? The arapaima, they, they get huge. Like, how big are we talking about? Like, what would be what would be a big fish to catch up there?
0: So, this fish can uh, get up to you know a little bit over 400 pounds. But uh, my personal best it has been uh, about 275 pounds.
1: Wow! On a fly rod. On a fly rod, correct. And that's the extreme. So, so two hundred. And then, what would be, you know, there must be some a diversity of sizes. I mean, what, what, how, and then what's the smallest? And then, what is the average?
0: So, your baby arapaima, your baby baby arapaima, it's uh, about 100 pounds. So, when you catch a 100 pound fish, it's like, you know, you're catching a 100 pound uh, tarpon. And, and that's just a baby. <laughs> By the way, you painted,
1: um, you know, the picture you painted of, of getting to the spot in the jungle just sounds amazing. You know what I mean? It sounds like the perfect, because you get the jungle, this amazing remote experience, but then you go to this four-star lodge, which is, sounds like it's pretty comfortable. Um, but, you know, so we'll probably dig into a little more of that. I, I want to hear about this fish because, I mean, an air-breathing fish. So, I mean, when I think of that, that seems really strange to me. Whoa why, you know, what's this fish? How many fish out there are breathing air? You don't think of that very often, right? They're usually, most of them are passing it through their gills. So correct. talk about the fish a little bit. I'm I'm sure, I'm not sure if you know all the the biology, but tell us why is this fish air breathing? A little bit about that.
0: Unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with the biology of the fish. Um, I know it does have lungs, like like humans, basically. Uh, So that's the reason why they need to take air.
1: So it pretty much has, yeah, I mean, it's not, well, I'll put in some, uh, I'll try to find a video or something to put in the show notes so we can look at somebody talking about, you know, a little bit of life history, the biology, because that is really interesting, right? I mean, I've never caught a fish with lungs. I mean, it's, that sounds, that sounds amazing right there. And also it sounds cool because I would imagine when you catch one, you're not as worried about hurting it. I Well, I mean, obviously hurting it, but it can stay out of the water because it's breathing air. So it's not, you know, you can can hold it up and get a picture, right? You don't have to worry about uh, keeping it wet.
0: Correct. So one of the things that we try to do in the lodge uh, is not to take the arapaima out of the water. Uh, I know there's different lodges in the, around the world. Uh, you know, they drag the fish all the way to the shoreline and uh, take a picture. Uh, arapaima is a protected species all around the world. And uh, it's an endangered species also. So we try to take care of it as much as we can. Uh, they are giant uh, fish, uh, tough. Their scales are like almost, you know, there's no caimans that can go through them, basically. And there's a lot of caimans in the water.
1: (laughs) And what are the caimans?
0: Uh, White caimans,
1: brown caimans. Oh, these are, uh, I'm not even familiar with these. Is this like just a predator
0: species? Correct, a caiman. Uh Uh-huh. And um, yeah, we try not to take the fish out of the water. Uh, Try to let them be there. We take a, a side shot on the boat. And try to just release it that way.
1: Okay. And when people are coming to, you know, they're doing, they're setting up this trip with you. Well, what's the typical? Or are we talking about a week, or how, how long are people on, on average coming there?
0: Yeah. So totally, it takes about a week for the entire travel. You know, it is an adventure to go to the jungle to do the, you know, the airplane, the boat, the little canoe. Uh, so it it does take a lot of a lot of um, a lot of travel uh, and logistics. Uh, but yeah, normally it takes about a week. uh We fish four to five days, depending on the anglers uh with four or five days of fishing, uh, we can almost ensure you you will have a fish
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you'll get it you'll get a shot.
0: yeah, you definitely have a shot i mean, uh last year before the pandemic started uh I mean, I had a guy who went to the lodge every day he had probably at least over twenty shots clear shots. I mean, amazing. And it just, you know, connect with one fish connected to two fish and just couldn't handle them. And in, in the line, I mean, they just, it's like you're connected to a train and they, they jump like uh, tarpon, very similar to tarpon, uh, big head shakes. Their head is pure bone. Um, uh, there's a uh, very little place where to put the fly and, um, just the power of it. I mean, I have bo- I have fish that have completely dragged the canoe with us pedaling backwards and has taken it all the way to the to the mangrove, basically. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have fish that we had to like start the engine and uh, put reverse and try to tow it out of it because we couldn't we couldn't do it with the pedals anymore. <laughs>
1: So let, let, let's talk about this. Is uh, this is kind of crazy? So you mentioned the gear a little bit, but what are you using? So you're using a twelve weight. Give us. A, I'm not sure what rods, reels. I mean, reels obviously an important one because you want to have a good drag. Well, what are you guys using specifically for the gear there? Fly lines, reels, rod.
0: So I use um, Lube Crosswater um, series. I'm sorry. I use Lube uh, Cross uh, W uh, fly rods, twelve weights. Um, for our Pima, uh, for reels, we use the opti reel from loop also. And, uh, for flying line, we use a uh, scientific angler. Uh, I believe it's called big water. Uh, it's a hundred pound core. Uh, you have to actually make your own loops. Uh, you know, it's a big, big line. It's a difficult line to cast because it feels like you have a rope in your hand, but, but it's probably one of those lines that work for this type of fish.
1: How do you cast? So, you got this big thing. Are you guys just trying to get within like 20 feet of these things? Or what, what's the long, what, what's the, again, like average cast? What do people need to be ready for if they're preparing for this?
0: So, your cast is going to be somewhere about 25, 30 feet. And because the fly line is so heavy, um, you'll be able to chuck the fly all the way to the fish. Now, you can do some overhead uh, casting also. But uh, it can be a little complicated.
1: So you're just doing a little, fl- you're, you're like water loading it behind you and casting it, just flicking it over. That's correct. Flicking over 12 inch. And what would be a fly? To t- tell, do you, is there a name, something we could see out there online of the name of a fly, these 12, 14 inch flies?
0: I would say it's a fly similar to uh, a bait fish imitation. Um, usually uh, black color works great. Uh, or a tan color also um, it's going to be the actual fly is going to be probably about 10 inches and then uh, we really love these. Uh, i believe it's called Pecarini uh, dragon tails or fish tails um, they're like fiber fiber uh, tails and those create a lot of vibration in the water and these fish key on that uh, they're they're slow moving fish uh, when they're just cruising uh, they're not just going like any other fish, you know, full speed. They're just going super, super slow. Uh, when they see something that passes by them or next to them, they just gulp, uh, the water into their, to their mouth and, uh, suck the fish in. So sometimes their take can be super gentle, very, very gentle takes. Um, and sometimes it can be, you know, like, like a train just got hooked at your fly line, basically.
1: So you see this fish gulp uh, some air and then, to take us there, so so you're sitting there, you're set up, you're within 25 feet, this fish gulps, when you cast, are you dropping that fly and sinking it down or is it kind of, are you stripping it or what are you doing?
0: So when the fish comes up, you pretty much have about two to three seconds to figure out what direction the fish is going, uh, which it makes it difficult already there uh, because you don't really know if it's going left, it's going right, so you have to decide at the moment, uh, when you notice that the fish is going, let's say right, you would drop your fly probably about five, six feet in front of it. And the strip is going to be basically like you're uh, stripping for trout, I mean, super gentle, really slow. I mean, I'm talking like really slow inches and uh, just let the fly suspend. That's why we like those tails because the tails create the vibration even if the fly is not moving. And uh, and after that I just hope for your life <laughs> basically. I mean these are fish that jump like like ten times, you know, pull and it's just a long fight. Got it.
1: and so because of the bony, super bony mouth you have to do a really hard strip set?
0: That's correct. Yeah, you normally have to strip set probably two to three times at least. Until you feel the fish is it's hooked, uh, and nor- normally when you hook them, they're gonna jump. They're gonna go crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, strip setting is probably one of the things. A lot of the anglers are not used to it, also. So you know we are uh, training our guys to mature to the the. Uh, once they see the cast, they start telling the 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 cast the client uh strip set, strip set strips strip set because we don't know when it's gonna happen but at least gonna at least gonna try to help them remind to to strip set
1: and so the guides you mentioned there's two uh, guides or on the boat so who are these talk about the guides a little bit are these local guides or who who are the people that are actually uh doing how many people are down there
0: so being in the jungle we have to work with native uh guides um just because they know the area they know the ecosystem, they know the animals they know the birds uh they know how things work um you know sometimes uh we had to ask permission to to the pachamama which is the the mother earth uh to be in their in their in their land so there's sometimes uh, even some rituals that we that they do. Um, and it's just the respect for nature, basically. Uh, so that's, uh, another piece that the client takes when, when they come to us, uh, they see all this respect to, to the land, basically. Uh, but yeah, we use, uh, one native guide, uh, and a fly fishing or conventional gear, uh, guide in the boat in the front, uh, pretty much guiding the, the whole fishing process.
1: So you have one a native guy, and then you have another person who's there to help guide on more of the gear. Uh, or, Correct. Or, 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 yeah, okay. So so that's basically somebody's coming from the States that's more uh, guiding on that end with all the gear, has all the gear.
0: Correct. Yeah, it's it's somebody that has the knowledge uh, to prepare your your line, to prepare your flying line, to prepare, uh, to tell you what, how to cast, where to cast, and things like that.
1: Yeah. And and I, when you said uh, Apache mama, that, that reminds me, I had um, uh, an old friend of mine, Greg Collette. We just did a podcast episode here recently. I'll put a link in the show notes. He's actually down in Ecuador. This is where this kind of got me thinking about this. Then he um, he's doing a whole nother thing. He's like in the villages helping like local people with some like building, you know, schools and stuff like that or whatever, you know, but Um, he, He got me thinking, I was asking him like, Greg, so what's going on, you know, fishing wise down there? And he couldn't even exactly explain what, you know, what type of fishing and stuff like that. But, but yeah, he talked about some of the, some of the things that are these amazing things like the jungle, like just getting through the jungle. I mean, obviously we're talking boats, but it's a major journey. What are some of the, you know, as far as dangers out there, is there, because that's probably one thing people maybe think about going to Ecuador it's maybe not the same as going to Costa Rica or something like that. Are there any dangers to be thinking about? How, how would somebody prepare for this trip?
0: So uh, I would consider uh, Ecuador a very place, a very safe place to to go. Um, there's no, like you mentioned, there's really no information about fishing in Ecuador because the culture in Ecuador is not about sport fishing. Uh, there's only one city in Ecuador they do a little bit more of that, but there's zero information about it. So. The best thing is to, to get in contact with somebody that knows the area, that knows the location, that knows what they're doing. Um, there's really no, I would say, there's really no the dangerous part in the whole journey uh, all the way to the jungle. It's a very enjoyable uh, trip. Um, of course, in the jungle, there's jaguars, there's, jouers, there's uh, a little bit of, of everything. But uh, that's why we have local guides in the area and know where to to see and where to go. Uh, I mean, there's huge anacondas also. Um, you see a lot of snakes. Uh, but we all prepare with with kits uh, to to take care of any uh, emergency that that we have. And uh, we also recommend everybody to to have uh, Global Rescue for for our, for uh, insurance p- purposes too.
1: So, so if something does happen, we could just basically call, use the satellite phone or whatever and call out and have somebody come in and, and rescue you essentially, right?
0: Yes, that's correct. So normally, I, well, I carry a satellite phone with me all the time. Um, if there's any emergencies, yeah, definitely we can call out. Uh, if there's anything that we can take care of in the lodge, we will, but if there's any evacuation that we need to do, then that's what the service is for.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's good. So that that's one potential question. So it sounds like it's probably just almost, you know, just as safe as anywhere else you're traveling. There's always going to be some things that can come up, but, um, but the path to get there, you mentioned, you know, going into keto and then going into, you know, grabbing some other planes and then the canoes. What does just give us, an, you know, another obstacle might be the cost of a trip. Could somebody just put, do you guys have whole packages where, you know, you put the whole thing together. Talk about that. If somebody wanted to really, it was interested in doing this, what what would they do?
0: So a normal package for, uh, for, uh, to go fishing on our apartment in the Amazon, it's roughly about four to $4,500. Uh, that includes everything, absolutely everything. Uh, the moment you arrive to the Quito airport, we pick you up at the airport. We take you to a really nice hotel nearby. Um, uh, the dinners, um, the transportation back to the airport, internal flight, uh, everything is included in the package. Uh, Lodging, food, guide, boat. Uh, The only thing that we uh, do not uh, include in the packages is uh, fishing equipment. Uh, If somebody needs uh, fishing equipment, we're happy to to provide for them, but that's not something that we we include.
1: Gotcha. So you have to either pay for it um, or would you are you bringing it down from the state with you or is it something you you pay for there
0: we have uh equipment and and uh, with us in the lodge uh the only problem is the arapaima can't trash your your fishing equipment so <laughs> we will have to go through rat like <laughs> in the season so so
1: basically you buy your stuff because this these fish might pretty much just destroy it and you you might have to that might be the end of it and you know, so that's that's cool. I mean, this is a good. This would be a good set for you know these rod and reel companies, right? Go down there and see see if they can take this fish because this is probably this fish maybe does more abuse. I mean, I guess you could look at marlin out in the ocean and that sort of thing. I mean, which which fish abuses the equipment more? Catching a, a marlin or catching a, a arapaima?
0: They're different fish, definitely. You know, marlin is about speed. Arapaima is all power. I mean, once you connect to this fish, you feel so much power in your line. I mean, your, your line is vibrating. Your rat is like about to explode. Um, it's, it's insane. It's, it's something like a, fishing on a pikemite It's 10 times more powerful than fishing a marlin, a big marlin, because you're connected straight to the, to their mouth. I mean, it's, uh, you know, marlin fishing, you have about 300, 400 yards of line out. So you're not really fighting so much of fish. You're fighting the current, you're fighting the marlin. But here, when you have a fish that's about 50, 60 feet away, uh, you're directly connected to it, and it's a two hundred and fifty pound fish.
1: And are you guys doing the? As far I know, I had Jake Jordan on, and he was talking about fighting those big, you know, fish out the blue water fish and things like that. And he talked about holding the rod, basically pointing it straight at the fish. Is that how you're landing these fish? Is it just a direct? You're just keeping them on, you know, and just pointing it at the fish and just d- dragging them in.
0: Yeah, so being uh, such a big fish, you definitely have to point it at the fish. Um, we do put a little bend on it just to take uh, the head shakes abuse uh, in a way. Um, but, uh, you know, mar- fishing for a big fish like this, is, it's a different game. Uh, you have to be ready. Uh, you have to be pointed at the fish. You have to, your back has to be relaxed. Otherwise, next, you know, next hour, you're going to be in pain. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we do put a little flex in the rattles. So,
1: let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Koffler boats specialize in custom ordered aluminum boats and uses the best materials, components, and accessories available to meet all of your fishing and boating needs the jet drifter a perfect power boat for shallow water rivers or lakes will perform with as little as a 35 horsepower prop engine but the whole design will also accept larger engines in addition the jet drifter is also designed to be rowed the jet drifter can be custom built in 14 foot through 18 foot lengths and uh, i've been rowing koffler drift boats for most of my life i remember going down the river in my dad's coffler boat when i was a kid and since I have transitioned into the 17 by 54 drift boat, perfect for packing a ton of gear and still staying nimble. If you need a bulletproof boat that can literally sit outside all year long when not in use and take a beating, Coffler has the boat for you. Whether a jet drifter, drift boat, Rocky Mountain trout boat, or sled, Coffler has you covered. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash to connect with Joe and the family today. That's Koffler, K-O-F-F-L-E-R right now, wetflyswinging.com slash Koffler. You support our podcast by clicking over through that link to connect with Joe. Please let Joe know you heard of the ad through the podcast when you connect and check back with me to celebrate if you end up making a purchase. Okay, now back to the show. I mean, you're, you're painting a pretty cool picture. I mean, the fact that, you know, $4,500, like you said, is all inclusive. I mean, that definitely is very, a very good rate compared to a lot of other lodges, you know, trips you can do, you can spend a lot more than that. So that's a, and the, in the journey, I mean, it sounds like this, this trip is more for that person who wants a little bit of an adventure, right? Going through the jungle, which is something I think would be amazing. Um, anything else, you know, we, we talked about this, uh, you know, again, it sounds like it's pretty straightforward as far as what you need to do. Have we missed any steps along the way? Do you want to give a, a heads? up on anything else somebody again right now say they're planning they want to plan this trip um you know anything else to be thinking about
0: yeah like you mentioned i mean the price is very very affordable compared to any other lodges most of the lodges that do are a pie mother somewhere in seven to eight thousand dollars for about the same time um another fish that you have opportunity to catch here is the arowana uh the arowana it's very similar to fish for, like you're fishing for uh, baby tarpon. Oh yeah, how do you spell that one? A R O W A N A. Well, there's many different ways to spell it. <laughs> that's it all depends on the country.
1: <laughs> as far as we go to look it up on Google right now, we're probably most people listening. <laughs> to this are probably somewhere in the uh, Western United States or somewhere around the U.S. So,
0: yeah. So that's. Uh... That's another amazing looking fish to catch. Uh if you go to our website you can definitely see them there. There's still a few pictures of them. Um it um a fish that keys more into insects. Uh so it will be under the trees, um, uh, next to branches that are sticking out of the water. Um a lot of dragonflies and uh grasshoppers and um, you know, all kind of big, uh, flies will be sitting into these, uh, um, uh, sticks, uh, sticking out of the water or on the branches. And sometimes you see these are like coming out of the water, almost hitting the branch and grabbing the flies. So they're amazing looking fish because those fish, you can definitely catch them with a six, seven weight rat. Um, so that's the way that we kind of like take care of the arm a little bit and uh, break the pressure through the day. Because when you're fishing for arapaima, you're concentrated a hundred percent. And then you need to break that a little bit into, let's catch some fish. So we go catch some arapaima in the meantime, and then we will go back to fishing for, I'm sorry, arawana for, for, for some time. And then we catch uh, arapaima again and we go for arawana again, uh, and they're super cool fish because they jump. They're you know they they take uh, dry flies, big dry flies, um, uh, poppers.
1: There you go. So you're painting even a better picture now. So so while we're out there, you know, not only the our um, but we got this other species you can catch, kind of right in the same areas in the same water. While you're out, you just switch rods, or are you go into a different area.
0: Yeah, we switch rods, same area, probably different part of the lagoon, um, definitely. Uh, the Arapaima eats arowana, so they're, they're not close to each other. <laughs> they try not to. Um, and also you can get, uh, Paku, uh, which is a, similar to a big, uh, a piranha, let's say, uh, and those eat, uh, fruits. So there's some, uh, uh, trees that have these, uh, smaller fruits, kind of like a one inch, uh. Uh, Ball usually tend to be green or yellow, uh, and they keen to the sound of the, on the water. When the when these uh, fruits drop in the water, they create this blue, and and these fish can not see that well, uh, but they hear that and they just go for it. So we have some fruit flies also in the boat, uh, as well like you know big dry flies like big grasshoppers, and of course the big arapaima flies.
1: Okay, so now we got a few species, and this does that kind of cover. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is great. It's uh, and then these these pacu are kind of, um, I mean, same sort of thing. You're getting, are you getting a little more action with them, uh, similar to the
0: arowana? I would say it's a little bit less, um, but uh, you can definitely catch them in the right time.
1: So when you you're at the lodge, so you get there. I guess going back to the to the get there, so you you fly in. You know, I guess you get there sometime in the day you know, you settle down, get settled in. Are you getting up the next morning first light and heading out? And then talk about what you're targeted during the, which ones during the day.
0: We try to to target our paima somewhere around uh, probably at 7 a.m. We don't really go first light. Uh, there's not much action coming up in that moment. Uh, so we eat breakfast, uh, we take our time, and then we go fishing somewhere about 7 a.m. Uh, from there, we fish to 12 twelve thirty uh the weather gets pretty hot in that time uh the theima is not really too active uh with the heat because uh they like the cooler water so they they dive deep um and then we take about two to three hour lunch uh, and and some time to rest and then we go out somewhere about three three thirty again to about five or 6 p.m., depending of light conditions. So we try to maximize the time where the environment is active uh, instead of just being cooking under the sun.
1: And wh- how hot is it? Like, wh- what is a, what's a, a you know, uh, how do you stay comfortable out there?
0: So normally the, the, the weather in the jungle can be in the 90s to 100, 110 degrees. Now we're talking about 100% humidity. So, um, I mean, you breathe and you sweat uh so that's what we need to keep uh hydrated Uh, we need to come back to the lodge to cool off for a little bit to take some rest um but yeah it can be pretty demanding Uh, and as you mentioned i mean this is a trip for for adventurous uh minded anglers definitely
1: yeah you're not you're not going to have anybody out there that's super uh yeah if you're out of shape if you're not in good health you don't want to be doing this trip this is something to be ready and you're not also you're not really jumping in the, in the water to cool off right
0: well you can um you know there's all, well we talk about paku or a Wana or a Pima. there's definitely piranhas there there's some big catfish tail catfish i mean there's all kinds of species we're talking about the Amazon jungle so there's stuff that we that we haven't even heard about before. So there's a lot of fish. There's a lot of things. There's electric eels. So you know, there's there's some dangers in the water, but usually it tends to be pretty safe. We do get in the water here and there. Um, we almost had an arapaima one time, actually flipping the boat uh, with their tail. Um, it's it's like somebody's dropping a bomb in the water, and and the canoe almost lifted completely <laughs> because it tail the, the canoe from the bottom.
1: That is crazy. So people are, uh, there are clients, uh, you know, that are, ju- that do get in the water. It's not, I mean, you, you're not necessarily, uh, I mean, I, I'm just thinking it would be, you know, it would be fun to get in, you know, just to kind of cool off. But there's also, I mean, don't you have, I mean, you got some other diseases to think about too, right? Like dengue fever. I mean, there's all sorts of kind of that. How, is that something to be worried about any, any of that stuff?
0: No, that's something that you don't really uh, worry much. Uh, we definitely recommend all the clients to come that are coming to the jungle to get vaccinated with, you know, yellow fever, typhoid, and basic uh, things. Most of the anglers that come to the jungle is people that have already been somewhere else, like Brazil, maybe Colombia, uh, and they're very familiar with that process. Um, but you know, it is. Uh, I would say highly recommended to get vaccinated just in case because you're in a very remote area, uh, many hours away from, from civilization, and, um, you know, it's just better to be, to be safe.
1: Yeah, and do you guys do – so as far as the program, you've got EcuadorFlyFishingTours.com. Uh, I mean, is this affiliated? Are you connected to any of the travel, you know, like the yellow dogs or any of that stuff, or is this kind of all on your, on your own?
0: No, this was a project of a, of a solo, as a solo project, as a one man show. <laughs> so everything you see, everything, even the photographs, uh, most of the photographs are mine just because I love photography. So you should carry all kinds of equipment with me. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is, uh, only us, only me.
1: Cool. I love that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, from what I'm doing, you know, it, you know, essentially it's kind of a similar thing. We've been building here with the podcast, you know, it's, um, you know, it, we really haven't been affiliated with, you know, any of those programs. And I think, I think they're great. I mean, they, they do their own thing, but I love hearing the stories of the people like yourself doing it. You know what I mean? Like you're building this thing on your own. and That sounds, uh, that sounds pretty amazing. So hopefully, hopefully we can help you out here and maybe send a few, uh, some more uh, people your way. Uh, I definitely, I think anybody listening it like myself is probably getting excited about this because it sounds like a pretty, pretty amazing adventure do you have a do you have a story anything comes to mind you want to share about a trip you know i'm not sure how often you're doing these trips but i mean have there there must be some crazy uh, adventures that have happened anything anything over the years
0: well there's a lot of things that happen <laughs> especially in the jungle
1: <laughs> has anybody been close to dying over the years have you had any story like like what's the closest that that that, that you've come to that
0: at least not in ecuador <laughs> Uh, we had um, people airlifted because they were drinking too much, <laughs> and and the heat the heat can definitely take uh, uh, you know it can definitely put you in a bad spot. Uh, dehydration it's it's a bad thing to be to have in the in the middle of the jungle. Um, so that's the only close call that we had. Uh, you know we had to airlift somebody for dehydration. Uh, that's just because over drinking. <laughs> Um but other than that, uh no, we never had any any issues with anybody. Uh uh we had a guy who actually uh thought that he can uh take the hook out of a piranha mouth and uh lost the tip of his finger <laughs> because he didn't want to use the pliers. <laughs> um but that's about it.
1: He must have been drinking as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually nah, <no>, he wasn't <laughs> that's it. That's the interesting part. So,
1: <laughs> maybe this isn't the place. Yeah. I mean, alcohol, maybe leave the alcohol for another trip. This is more focused on staying, staying hydrated, staying safe, and stuff like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, we do have, uh, you know, beer and, and some uh, soft drinks and, and alcohol drinks and the lunch um, available. Uh, we always try to tell uh, the clients not to, not to, Overdo it, you know. Have a good time, enjoy the, the the jungle. I mean, it's one of those one one of a lifetime experiences to be there. And um, we we try not to uh we, we try to make sure that they're on you know they don't have a bad time while there.
1: And it sounds like you have, I mean, this lodge. So I mean, obviously you have set this up on your own. Was that I mean, how many years has that been going to get to a point where you've got a four star lodge? Would, I would I think there's a lot of logistical things that you know taking it just beer right taking in beer and things like that and having having uh, electricity
0: yes so everything is through is due to generators for electricity we have uh, hot water uh, that's uh, warmed by the sun so this is uh, a lodge that was created uh, to help the indigenous community for the area Um, now fishing for a paima, it's and our paima for an ecuador it's it's prohibited in national parks. Uh, you cannot just grab somebody and go into, into the national parks, uh, especially the Yasuni National Park, uh, and fish for our pima. Are we
1: fishing? Would we be fishing in the national park, or is this different?
0: We are on the shorelines outside of the national park.
1: And what's the name of that park? Can you spell that one as
0: well? Uh, Yasuni. Uh, it's Y A. S-U-N-I.
1: So a national park is, is really another great thing down there, right? Because you've got protections for probably some of these species.
0: Yeah, so in the national park, you can fish for smaller peacock bass, the same species that you find in uh, Florida. They don't grow uh, big. They're usually about two to three pounds. Um, there's a ton of arapaima and all kinds of uh, uh, fish, but uh, you cannot fish for them in, in national parks. If, if Ecuador finds you fishing for a Pima in any of these areas, you can go uh, to as a minimum one year uh, to jail. So um, that's what we partner with these indigenous community um, outside of the, of the national park. They're the guardians of the lagoon. Uh, and uh, they're one of the few, if no, only communities there, they can, they understand that tourism, uh, uh, fishing tourism is it's, it's a way of, of not doing uh, damage to nature and, uh, trying to take care of their communities also. So,
1: yeah, that's what, uh, I mentioned my friend, Greg, we had talked about that. I. He, he's very into, uh, intertwined with the local community there as well. And yeah, I thought that was a really cool thing. I think there's also, you know, we mentioned the indie Fly, you know, give that a shout out as well. I think Oliver White is doing a thing where he goes into communities and and helps, uh, I think, right, it, you know, gives jobs to the people and teaches them. And that helps them protect the species. Obviously, if, if, if part of their way of life is making money fishing, they want to protect the species, um, but there's other things out there, right? The Amazon, I mean, you're talking about the, the forest. There, there's like huge sections of the forest being cut down for industrial purposes. Do you, is that something you even see affects anything that, that you have going?
0: In our area, the lagoon that we fish, um, not so much because it's, it's away from the entrance of the main river. But there is a lot of uh, petroleum exploitation there. And uh, of course, as as the industry grows, uh, things happen. You know, uh, pipes will burst. Uh, there can be a lot of contamination. Also, I mean, there's times that we've seen the river come all the way from from the top completely black for days.
1: Black with oil.
0: Yes, with oil. Uh, so things like that happen. With that, you know, there's a lot of fish uh, killed. There's all kind of animals that get uh, uh, sick or, or die uh, for that reason um, and affects the communities because you know they can, I mean most of these people uh, in the indigenous communities they, you know, they, their water source is the river uh, that's where they feed their families, that's where they shower, that's where they wash the dishes, I mean so when you pollute that uh, it can be uh, it can have a huge effect And people.
1: So that's a whole nother, uh, conversation, right? I mean, talking about the, the conservation, what somebody listening now can do to help, right. Protect these places. I guess, like you said, there's a national park. Um, I know the government probably has its own issues just like any government, um, but, um, yeah, any any recommendation there? I mean, if somebody wanted to learn more, I guess that's something you probably, you probably, on your own, uh, solo man, probably don't have a ton of time to dig into the conservation stuff. But are there any groups out there that you would recommend um, if, they, if people wanted to learn more or help?
0: Um, there's the University of uh, San Francisco in Quito, which uh, does a lot of studies there and uh, smaller organizations uh, even from the U.S. But your main... Uh, your main person to or group of people to take care of these is the locals because now they see that now they see that this fish that has been there for, for many years uh, uh, is producing uh, income for their families. So what better uh, uh, person will be to to go to, to the government and, and ask for, for help.
1: Well, uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, you know, there's, I wanted to touch on one thing uh, before we start to think about getting out of here. Um, I wanted to touch on the trout too, just briefly, but you, the COVID, I wanted to just hit on that just so everybody knows, cause we're, we're still, you know, kind of coming out of COVID. The U S is pretty much, you know, opened up. We've got vac- vaccinations and stuff, but talk about that. If somebody was going either to the Galapagos or any of your other destinations, how are we looking down there? Can somebody start booking a flight right now?
0: Yes, so um, the the Galapagos is being completely, uh, 100% vaccinated right now. Uh, Ecuador tourism is is pushing uh, Galapagos as one of the best, uh, safest place to to visit in the moment, um, just because the entire population is vaccinated. Um, As long as you have your vaccine card from the States, you can basically just go in, into Ecuador, into Galapagos. Uh, So that makes the travel easier. Um I'm sure things change depending on how things are going. But in the moment, uh, the situation is like that. Um, in the jungle, I know some of the uh, communities uh, also have been vaccinated. Uh, even the very remote communities have been vaccinated. So it's, uh, it's definitely uh, one of the safest places to go probably right now.
1: And is the Galapagos trip? Just take us there briefly for a second. What's the you know i guess uh similar deal you fly in and then and hop on a boat tour does that is that a lot more uh, is that an easier trip to put together
0: that is that is a nicer easier trip um you know we have couples come in there we got people with their kids with their families come in there um usually the same way we land in quito um we take a, about a half an hour flight to guayaquil which is a sm- another city uh closer to the coast and from there, the plane, uh, we take a plane that's about three and a half hours uh, to the San, uh, San Cristobal Island. Uh, and that's where the biggest uh, concentration of striped marlin is. So when we get there, we get there usually about 1 p.m. Uh, we have the entire afternoon to go visit the Galapagos uh, tortoise and uh, some of the uh, coasts of uh, the jungle uh, the galapagos has a smaller jungle uh, like uh, part where they have some like uh, freshwater lagoons uh, uh, i mean it's just an amazing place to go um so we use the first day to sightsee a little bit um the next day uh, normally we fish four days and we have a full day of uh, we call it a 360 tour, which goes around the entire island, stopping at different points. Uh, sometimes we do some fishing, some deep, uh, deep sea fishing with, uh, jigging, uh, for different species that we cannot catch in the fly rat. Uh, sometimes we snorkel with the uh, sharks. Um, I mean, we have some, you know, 10, 15 feet hammerheads, uh, four feet away from you. Uh, it's, it's a nerve wracking, amazing experience for sure. Um, so four days of fishing can definitely produce uh, close to a hundred fish, um, uh, an average day of, uh, of marlin fishing in Galapagos, um, can be, uh, we can raise somewhere about 25 to 35 fish, um, uh, almost every 15 minutes, uh, when you're in the boat. Um, the biggest difference from Galapagos to other locations and, and, Central America, uh, North America, it can be the, our striped marlin are, are not small at all. Um, I know Magdalena Bay has a huge amount of fish, but most of the fish are under 150 pounds. Uh, in Galapagos, I have never seen 150 pound fish. Most of the fish are in the 200, 250, even 300 pounds or over. So we're talking a big marlin. Um, also got, uh, yellowfin tuna, bonitos, mahi-mahi. Um, we got a little bit of everything. It's a truly amazing place to go fishing.
1: Yeah. So that's just another, you know, again, like you mentioned, this is a, more of a tour or more of a, um. Yeah, like you said, family. Even so, it sounds like you got this package, and then you've also got the trout trip. So, you know, when I'm imagining people are coming down there. They're going for either Arapaima or Galapagos, or um, I mean, are people going down there just to hit the trout, or is the trout like a secondary thing? How's how's that look? Why would somebody why would somebody go down and hit trout versus say doing the other two things we've talked about?
0: Uh, we have a lot of people that come from the states to uh, Quito and they're doing sightseeing with their families. And uh, they would like to do maybe a day or two days of trout fishing just to fish trout somewhere else. Um, So most of the trout fishing that we do in Echo is more like a day or two day uh, trips, uh, unless we have an entire group uh, coming down just for that. But uh, I would say it's more like an additional thing to do while you fish for a Pima or Marlin and the Galapagos.
1: So that's, so that says, so, and these are other things we can dig into more. Maybe if we have questions, I'll direct people to, um, over to you to check in with you or they can connect with me and I'll, and I'll do the same. And, um, and so you're in Chicago now, I'm just curious on the Chicago thing. How did you end up, um, in Chicago as your now primary or off season residence? Well, why Chicago? Why not any other place uh, around the world?
0: First, I had some family here, so I decided to come here and go to school. And after that, I fell in love with fly fishing and became that my life. So um, I started pursuing the whole uh, fishing uh, industry. Um, I knew I started finding a little bit about uh, Ecuador having trout because in that time when I live in Ecuador, I didn't even know we had uh, trout fishing. I only fish in the ocean and uh, little by little start uh, investigating in Ecuador and doing some some smaller backpacking trips and things like that. We'll start finding these places that were loaded with trout. And uh, and I just thought, you know, there's no one in Ecuador that does this. So um, there is there is a reason why we need to share this beautiful country with, with the rest of the world. And uh, this is my way of doing it. So.
1: Well, and that's why I'm hoping, you know, like I said, I can help you because this is um, – you know, like we were saying, I mean, the more people that know about this, it's actually counterintuitive because, it, it, you know, it's better because people will likely pr- help protect it, right? If, you, if you're if you able to get more people that love these trips and they do them every year, you know, they're going to be s- asking the same questions like me. Like, how do we make sure there's no more oils, oil spills going down the river? You know, how do we protect the local community? How do we do a good job? Because that's going to help protect our fishing, right? It's almost a selfish thing, but it's a selfish thing in a good way, kind of, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I mean, even when the pandemic started, you know, the first reaction that we had it was we stopped fishing in the jungle right now until things get uh, normal or s- somehow normal just because the indigenous communities uh, are very vulnerable. Um so if anything, you know, if anybody gets covid there, uh would have would have probably killed an entire group of people. So we just stopped doing it. Uh and uh, now we're we're getting back to that since uh, a lot of people are getting vaccinated and even the visitors, of course.
1: Well, I feel like we've uh, we've dug into it, Javier. Do you think um, anything else you want to that we missed along the way here that you want to give that would help somebody if they're planning a, a trip down there?
0: I mean, uh, you know, I would like to say that, you know, Ecuador is a beautiful country. You know, it is in the equator. You have the middle of the world uh, monument where you can definitely see some amazing things. Uh, uh, we have fishing all over uh, the coast, uh, the jungle, uh, and the Andes. So there's not many countries on the, out there that you can, you can fish species, many different species in the, same, in the same place, in the same trip. So definitely check it out. Uh, it's amazing fishery. It's uh, a fishery that has never been touched.
1: Why is that? Do you think? I mean, uh, it, why has that? You know, you think about these places that are really busy with lodges, multiple lodges. Why, and well, first, first question is: Is yours the only lodge in the Amazon down there in Ecuador? And then the second question is: Why aren't more companies down there trying to do that, take advantage of this?
0: Um, it is the only lodge in Ecuador that, that provides fishing. Uh, we also do bird watching in the same lodge. There's a lot of people that come from Europe to do that. Um, but uh, I will, in my knowledge, there's no other company that does any type of fishing, uh, professional fishing service, at least, uh, at the level that we provide uh, in Ecuador. And any of the areas, actually, are Pima, trout fishing, or the Galapagos Islands.
1: And, and, and that's just because you think, I mean, you've obviously got a local connection, you know, from the Quito thing. And it's just logistically, I mean, is it just a little bit challenging? I, I'd imagine with the local communities and the the national park and stuff like that, that might be challenging for people to to start.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So one of, like I said, you know, arapaima is a protected species, so you can't really fish it anywhere um, uh, in the national parks. Uh, And there's not many communities that have arapaima that they're outside of the national park. So I would say we're probably the only place that we can fish legally in Ecuador for arapaima. Uh, I, I don't think of any other place that you can.
1: Well, this is, uh, you've painted a very good picture. I just uh, usually ask, um, sometimes I ask the, a couple of questions on tips and tricks, but I think we've dug into it enough. If somebody's really serious about this, you know, we can kind of follow up with you. Um, in the next uh, kind of year, I, I guess now that we're coming out of COVID, we've had this last year has been, you know, for a lot of companies, I'm sure you've, uh, it's, it's impacted your business, but now as you look out over the next year, what new is coming for you? What are you excited about?
0: you know we're we're ready to serve uh to our clients for next season um this year it took a lot of rethinking and uh, reassessing things uh to make sure that things like this don't happen again uh and they were prepared for it um you know safety is a big concern for us so we we'll try to make sure that everybody is uh is safe and uh we definitely have the, the fishery to, to provide some uh, some amazing memories to the clients. So I think uh, Ecuador is, should be your, one of your first choices uh, for international travel.
1: That's it, all right, Javier. Well, uh, in, it's uh, ecuadorflyfishingtours.com.
0: Yes, ecuadorflyfishingtours.com. Uh, we also have uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, where you can see some of the images and videos that we provide.
1: Yeah. And so that's a great thing is Ecuador fly fishing. I think when I first found you, I think I just typed in that and it came up, you're, you're on the top of everything. So that's makes it easy for everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, Javier, uh, thanks for taking the time today and, and sharing uh, a little bit of insight on what you have going. It sounds like an amazing trip comparable to probably many trips all around the world. So I, it sounds like I'm excited to hopefully maybe connect with you in the next couple of years and I'd love to get down there and, uh, get some flies out to these fish.
0: Uh, Most definitely, Dave. Uh, It's a pleasure to to be in your show, and uh, thank you very much for the invitation.
1: So there you go. If you want to find the show notes, uh, the links, everything else we have today, including the transcript for this, if you want to read the entire transcript as you go, there's a pretty cool feature there, uh, com slash 249. We've also got some links to the stuff we talked about and uh and some videos everything's there we're going to be upgrading the uh, the blog post a little bit this year too to keep adding some more information there so uh, check that out if you have a chance please subscribe to the show on your app of choice i'm not sure if you're listening uh what you're listening on right now whether that's overcast or castbox or um you know spotify wherever you're at uh Give a, uh, a follow or a subscribe, whatever whatever uh, unit we're using these days. Follow or subscribe, and you'll get updated when that next show arrives in your inbox. That is all we have for you today. I want to thank you again for stopping by to uh, listen today and support the show. And if you get a chance, reach out to Javier and uh, just check in with him. I'll let him know you uh, you caught this episode. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.